Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Exurgat Deus disipentur inimici eius et fugiancio derunteum aface eius. Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered, let all those who hate him flee from before his face. We've seen a lot of things go on over the last several weeks, <clears throat> in particular these last couple of days. And I hate to pour more gasoline on the dumpster fire that is the world government and the U.S. government, etc., but... <clears throat> There are some things that we need to kind of pay attention to. And one of them is the BRICS summit. Now, for those of you who have actually been paying attention to geopolitics for the last 20 years, when I say the BRICS summit, somewhere in the back of your mind is a little tingly feeling going, wait a minute, I vaguely, vaguely remember something from that. You might remember there being something mentioned by it, and I will tell you that the last time I heard about the BRICS Summit, where anybody was actually talking about it, was actually all the way back in 2008-2009, in the aftermath of the Western financial collapse. Well, I've got some more stuff, and it comes from a speech from everybody's most favorite demon, Russian President Vladimir Putin. Before we get started, this is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangelae, defende nos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias diaboli est opraecidium. Imperatili Deus supplicas de precamur, tuque princeps militae calestis, satana maliosque spiritus malignos, quae perditionum animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum detrude. Amen. Cor Jesus Sacratissimum, miserere nobis, Mater Dolorosa, ora pro nobis, Beatus Carolus et Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facem tuum et salvi edimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. So once upon a time, long, long time ago, I remember first hearing about the BRICS Summit. And the BRICS Summit, B-R-I-C-S, is Brazil, Russia, Iran, or India, China, and South Africa. 
Now, for those of you who don't remember, way, way back when, a long, long time ago, those were the countries who were on the outs during the supposed global war on terror. And Brazil wasn't really fully on the outs. They were kind of very sort of, we're not really sure which way we're going to go with that. And it didn't really matter at the time because at the time, Brazil was a third world country. I mean, they weren't, they were, I'm sorry, it's the impolitic way of saying things. They were a developing nation. And given the fact that I'm working on aircraft that came out of that de developing nation, I can tell you they've done some rather fantastical things. However, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. Run that list through your mind. Brazil, meh. Russia, grrr. India, meh. China, grrr. South Africa, grrr. Individually, that should somewhat synopsize exactly how you've traditionally felt about them, you know, meh, about Brazil and India, Russia, China, South Africa, maybe not, you know, maybe not so good, you know. There are a lot of people who still remember free South Africa uh, from Lethal Weapon 2. Well, you see, in the last year, there have been some really, really stupid changes. And I mean dumb changes ridiculously stupid changes. So for example, let's let's go in the way back machine all the way back to February of 2022. When the Canadian truckers who were driving up to Ottawa had their bank accounts frozen. Yes, that's right. Everybody remembers when Justin Trudeau was like was like we're going to shut down, or excuse me, not Ju Justin Trudeau specifically, but Christia Freeland basically said, yeah, we're going to freeze their bank accounts, we're going to track the money, we're going to do this, that, and the other, we're going to charge them, etc., etc., etc. We're going to do so many things that everybody was like, what? Are you serious? And you may remember, you know, a couple weeks later, when Russia went into Ukraine, and then the West did exactly the same thing they did to the Canadian truckers to Russia. Huh. Well, we're going to put a pin in that. We're going to come back to this part later. In the speech at the BRICS summit by the president of the Russian Federation, Vladimir Putin, he says, quote, To begin with, I would like to join the previous speakers in thanking President of the People's Republic of China, Xi Jinping, and all our Chinese friends for their proactive efforts this year to promote our strategic partnership within BRICS. The countries that form this group have been seeking to step up their cooperation on all global and regional matters. The BRICS format has been consistently increasing its prestige and international influence. This is an objective process, since it, the five BRICS countries, as we all know, have immense political, economic, scientific, technical, and human potential. We have everything we need to work together and achieve results for ensuring global stability and security, sustained growth and prosperity, and better well-being for our people. I believe that the topic of today's meeting 
foster high-quality BRICS partnership, usher in a new era for global development, is very relevant. Considering the complexity of the challenges and threats the international community is facing and the fact that they transcend borders, we need to come up with, a collect with collective solutions. BRICS can make a meaningful contribution to these efforts. We have repeatedly said that challenges like conflict settlement, the fight against terrorism and organized crime, including the criminal use of new technologies, climate change, and the spread of dangerous infections can only be addressed through joint efforts. And of course, it is only on the basis of honest and mutually beneficial cooperation that we can look for ways out of the critical situation that has emerged in the world economy because of the ill-conceived and selfish actions of certain states, which by using financial mechanisms are actually shifting their own macroeconomic policy mistakes onto the rest of the world. We are confident that today, as never before, the world needs the BRICS country's leadership in defining a unifying and positive course for forming a truly multipolar system of interstate relations based on the universal norms of international law and the key principles of the UN Charter. In this context, we can count on support from many states in Asia, Africa, and Latin America which are seeking to pursue an independent policy. I am sure that by tradition, the present BRICS summit will be substantive and effective, and that we will manage to hold a frank and detailed exchange of views on all the most important global and regional issues and various aspects of strategic partnership, including the extended dialogue format of BRICS+. Let me stress, Russia is ready to continue promoting close and versatile interaction with all BRICS partners and contributing to the group's greater role in international affairs. Thank you for your attention. Close quote. <sighs> and of course, it is only on the basis of honest and mutually beneficial cooperation that we can look for ways out of the critical situation that has emerged in the world, the world economy, because of ill-conceived and selfish actions of certain states, which by using financial mechanisms are actually shifting their own macroeconomic policy mistakes onto the rest of the world. Dear family, Dear family, <clears throat> if you listen to this podcast, then you know that I am not a fan of the Great Reset. I am not a fan of the World Economic Forum. I am not a fan of the Davos crowd. In fact, if you listen to this podcast, you know that it is my personal belief that every last one of those bumbling, sinful, degenerate motards need to be dragged out into the streets and shot. Or, as is more appropriate for people who commit treason against their own countries, they should be gutted and hanged from the rooftops by their intestines. And this is actually why. 
So I've never been a particular fan of the United States being completely hegemonic over the whole planet. I've generally chosen, like, through the course of most of my life, I've generally been, like, if we're going to do anything, we're going to, if we're going to have a world government, then that government should be governed by the Constitution of the United States of America. And this is, of course, from my pre-incarceration um, days. My pre-incarceration days, I was a devotee of U.S. constitutionalism. I was very much um, blind to the evils of Freemasonry and all of those things that they've managed to promote. <clears throat> Including, ironically, communism. Although I wasn't blind to communism. I was, not a, I was definitely not a communist. I was an anti-communist. Uh, but I was one of those free marketeers, libertarian type people. And I was willing to begrudgingly concede that if there was going to be a world government, then that government should actually be formatted like the Constitution of the United States, not similarly, but with a few notable exceptions, identically. Meaning, um, I've never been a supporter of the 16th Amendment. I've never been a supporter of the 17th Amendment. Not ever. The other amendments beyond that are sort of, you know, come see, come sa. You know, the 18th Amendment comes out, and then it was repealed by the 21st Amendment. And of course, you know, we learn from our mistakes, etc. And so, whatever. The twenty, the last amendment, which was actually the first one, if you look at the if you look at the copies of the original documents, or if you get a chance to go to Washington, you see the original documents. The first, the first amendment was supposed to be the second amendment, and the first, the actual first amendment ended up eventually becoming an amendment, and I'm, you know, again, generally okay with that. If you're going to format governments then certainly the United States Constitution is the format that you want to use, assuming you're going to use representative republic um, and, and a so-called, you know, a constitutional republic or a parliamentary system of some flavor. The U.S. Constitution, among the degenerate liberal philosophies, is actually the most ideal. And it doesn't take a whole lot, even today, because when I look at the U.S. Constitution, um... Again, with some notable exceptions, you can actually overlay the, the Roman Catechism and the doctrine and dogmas of the Catholic Church as understood prior to 1960 by most of the world, and it overlays really, really well because you have the church that would guide the hand of a constitutional republic such as that. But I am very much a Carlist. I don't believe in the divine right in, of kings. I believe in the divine responsibility handed by God down to the kings. The divine right of kings is actually a Protestant development anyway. Kings, historically in the Catholic Church, understood that their royalty didn't make them above the law, it actually burdened them with the most critical adherence to the law. And anybody who actually does an honest study will notice that it was only in the aftermath of the revolution, the Protestant revolution, where things actually started to fall apart. <clears throat> now, Those are the caveats. 
If I was going to accept a government, then it would have to be a government around the world that was somewhat, somewhat, that 99% resembled the way the Constitution was written. Not the way it was amended, not the way it was amended by Supreme Court decisions, particularly in the 20th century, um, or the way it was put into practice <clears throat> through most of the country's history, nor the slow development of the, uh, of the permanent government institutions. However, you know, being ignorant of the fact that, it, that, a, that a document such as the United States Constitution inevitably leads to the development of a permanent, permanent political state, you know, kind of is what it is. If a government that was formatted by the U.S. Constitution was brought into subjection to Rome, and I mean eternal Rome, not this garbage Davos-laden bullcrap that's currently running, then said government would be inevitably a force for good. You cannot follow the one holy Catholic and apostolic church and actually follow it and do the things that Christ asks and go wrong. You cannot. It is impossible. Christ's word is perfect because he is truth, the word made flesh. Period, full stop, end of story. So if you were to bring a government such as the United States such as the one formulated under the United States Constitution, into existence and subject it to the eternal to eternal Rome, then you would have the most perfect system. Particularly if that constitution was a global constitution. Because then the kings of the various nations could appoint their representatives to the government in the very pre-17th Amendment way of doing things. And the people could have their elected officials and so on and so forth ad infinitum. Like you could actually break it down. And it, like I said, if you do a detailed analysis of it, you, you, you will find that it overlays beautifully, particularly when you're dealing with nation states that are actually nations, not this odd conglomeration of federations that we have here in the United States. But the Polish people could have Polish representation the Russian people could have Russian representation, and all of it would be subject under, under the Constitution, as guided by eternal Rome. And I will forever, and here's the thing, so eternal Rome is going to be my new distinct, distinct, uh, distinctifier, distinguisher, excuse me, Lord have mercy on my soul. The new distinguishing term that I use to separate Christ's church, the mystical body of Christ, from that abomination that is currently running the Vatican. And so the terms will now be Eternal Rome and the Vatican. And those are my shorthand for the eternal Christ-headed mystical body and the human dipsticks that are currently running things. And that should be an easy way to separate the two. Plus, it also is very nice, you know, catchphrasy, and I don't run in... And to be blunt, if you understand that those are the two terms I'm using, then when I say Rome, you'll know that I'm referring to eternal Rome. And when I say the Vatican, you'll know that I'm talking about those morons actually wearing the cassocks. <clears throat> now, 
that system would be perfect if guided by eternal Rome. Perfect. Each of the nations, the French people, the Angolan people, the Congolese people, the South African people, the Brazilian people, the Argentinian people, the, the Swedish people, the Chinese people, the Japanese, etc., would still be sovereign under one government that actually has the greater, the common good, as understood by eternal Rome, as opposed to the greater good, which is a complete misnomer coined by Davos. We're developing a lot of shorthand today, too. This is good. Because now I can actually use these terms more commonly, and I and we've finally gotten around to doing a shorthand where I don't have to add all the caveats. <clears throat> And I do still believe that the United States Constitution as a global constitutive document under eternal Rome would be ideal. Because nations have to be permitted to, to guide themselves as best they can. Simultaneously, if the whole world were brought under the banner of Rome, the banner of Christ's cross, so many things would not be. Now, Putin talks about the macroeconomic policy in this particular document, and I will tell you that that is not the only devastatingly bad thing, obviously. You're a listener to this show, so you know what I'm talking about. It is not the only devastatingly bad thing to come out of the West. The LGBT thing, that agenda that actually, if you go around and talk to many people who are same-sex attracted they will tell you that they don't recognize as much as they used to what's actually going on over there. Many people who used to consider themselves, who are SSA, who used to consider themselves as part of the LGBT community, are finding that they don't necessarily agree with what the community is doing. You see, once upon a time, if you go way back to 2013, yes, they were still degenerate. And like that actually hasn't changed at all. But what made it appealing through the 90s and the early 2000s is that when you looked at, at the community, many were artists. You had artists, songwriters, composers, you had movie makers. And while much of what they put out was degenerate, to be sure, there was beauty in it. That's what made it so deceptive for so long. You were talking about a bunch of people who, when you interacted with them personally, they were beautiful people, kind, gentle, like, no joke, this is actually how they got in the door in the first place. They were... Granted, we didn't understand the word meek back then the way we do now, so most people would have described them as humble and meek, kind, gentle, generous people. And think back, particularly if you're over the age of 30, you can think back about 10, 15 years, and in general, 
That was part of the reason. It seemed, it seemed they did a magnificent job of making it seem like it was an absolute abomination that you would do anything to really clamp down on what it was they were doing because they were just nice people. Even if that niceness was only on the surface. A lot of people don't ask, don't ask the question, how did we get to this point? And the fact is, is that we got to this point because once upon a time, you're talking about many of the most beautiful people. Shining stars. And yet, over the, la- over the course in particular of about the last eight to nine years, um, but most especially in the last five, anything remotely resembling beauty is now gone. Now, for those of you who want to challenge me on this, I'm going to remind you that in the early 2000s, excuse me, I just bit my tongue, gracious. <laughs> in the early 2000s, they had shows like What Not to Wear and Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, where they took their fashion sense, their sense of beauty, and they handed it out and pushed it out there. They showed people that you really, they they reminded people of things that we would, that, that your grandfather would have actually said if he was your dad and this was 1940. Clothes make the man. You must properly dress yourself in order to be taken as the type of person you expect to be taken as. So if you go back 15 years, what did you never see on those shows? You never saw people wearing shorts. I mean, granted, they brought that abomination that is the skinny jean, but you never saw people wearing shorts. They were well-dressed, color-coordinated, presented an image. And if you track through human history, this has happened in several points of human history. In fact, the reason why business suits are typically gray, brown, uh, gray, tan, or blue actually goes back to one person in Great Britain, who at one point in time, most people considered to be better dressed than the king. But if you look, if you look back in time, You'll remember, men always wore, they always wore button-down shirts and ties and slacks. You had, a, you had a good hat. Everything was made of quality. You did not go to a store that made it, that to buy clothing that made it look like you worked for a living and that you were a hobo. You didn't go to, for the longest time, you didn't go to a store and buy jeans that had holes already in them. You didn't go to the store and buy stuff that was already pre-stained. And if you look at those at that period in time, that was basically what they brought back, the clean, well-kept look. You didn't have a big grizzly big gaping grizzly Adams beard. You were well you were you were clean. You weren't necessarily clean-shaven, but you had a cleanly a neatly trimmed beard. I mean, think about it. This is where we get like the beard oils and all these fancy product like beard products that are that are out today because while the beard has come back fully in fashion, <clears throat> The fact is, is nobody wants you, you really should not want to be walking around looking like Duck Dynasty. Unless you're deliberately trying to go for that look. But you wore, but you wear clothing, you wear, you present yourself the way you wish to be taken. Now, back in the day, way, way back when, before 
you know, what not to wear, you, you wanted to be taken seriously. And so it was, this, it was a well-cut suit, tailored, this, that, and the other, shirt, button-down shirt, tie, boom, clean. You go back, you go back a couple decades, decades before, and it was common for the waistcoat or the vest. That appealing to beauty, to kind of shake us out of our laziness, was really the thing that normalized same-sex attraction as something that you didn't, you know, you no longer whispered about or talked about behind someone's back or whatever. And this is a fact. But this is also something that if you look over the last four years in particular, two years most especially, that has seen, that seems to have gone completely out the window. Now, what is a representative of the LGBT community? It's a boy who doesn't know he's a boy, a girl who doesn't know she's a girl, a woman who doesn't want to be a woman anymore, a man who just doesn't quite feel right having to stand up, sack up, and be a freaking man. And none of it, none of it, is particularly beautiful. Morbidly, morbidly obese, pox-faced, nose-pierced, unnatural hair, unkempt, dirty. And now, disease-ridden, once again. And those people who came up, who actually sort of opened the door for same-sex attracted people to just sort of be out and open. And I'm looking at you, Neil Patrick Harris, and Ellen DeGeneres, and a few others. They were the ones who opened it because you, because in the same way that the devil was able to convince Eve to eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what was it that she, what was it that she used to determine that it was good? She saw the food was beautiful and good. She saw the fruit was beautiful and good for food. It was tantalizing. It was fascinating. It was beautiful. It was attractive. And so she took the fruit and she ate. <clears throat> Today, we look across and we go, none of this is beautiful. 55-year-old men with, with saggy bottoms walking around in leather thongs on the street in front of children? Really? And that's one of the exports. That's the principal export. The principal export is not being able to comprehend that your generative organs are made for progeneration. The whole point behind the the whole point behind the possession of them is so that you can have posterity. So that you can have children to carry on legacy. So that you can have children to carry on your family. So that you can have children to maybe comfort you in your old age as you're getting ready to die. And they have children and their children have children and so on and so on ad infinitum. So that God has an opportunity to make of you a great nation. But what have we done? We have cut that off. And the most ugly people, the most disgusting, disease-ridden, obnoxious, 
horrifying looking people are the ones who are screaming at the top of their lungs that you shouldn't be having children. And why have they been, and why have they been saying this? Because when you look past those obnoxious, nasty, degenerate, grotesqueries, when you look past them at the people who are giving their marching orders, what do you actually have? In many cases, you have beautiful people, physically beautiful people, certainly ugly and grotesque once you peel back the skin. People like AOC, people like Justin Trudeau, people like Gavin Newsom, who thank goodness they're starting to look like every bit the demons that they are, finally. But when each of, the, but when each of them broke out onto the scene, what was it? They were handsome, they were beautiful, they were pretty, they were charming, they were charismatic. And that's exactly what was true about the LGBT community. The community was charming. It was beautiful. We, it was disarming enough that so many of us did not realize exactly how toxic, degenerate, and festering they really were. But while they were beautiful, it was easy to be the con. It was easy to do the con. Beautiful people do a great job at conning less beautiful people or people who don't necessarily know that they themselves are beautiful. And that's exactly what happened. It was a con. But the con is over and now we're stuck with the, we're stuck with the menagerie of grotesques that are running around the world telling you that you shouldn't have children, telling you that you shouldn't eat meat, telling you that you shouldn't drive cars, telling you that you shouldn't have money, telling you that you shouldn't own anything, telling you all of these things that are absolutely contrary to everything that we have always understood to be true. Well, now that the mask is off, Russia, China, what do they get to do? They get to look at every, they get to look at us who have popped off with some very inconceived and very selfish actions and say they're promoting degeneracy around the world. And, and we know, and by the way, if, if you're listening to this show and you don't listen and you don't like watch Remnant TV or subscribe to the Remnant newspaper or, or Return to Tradition or the Kennedy Report or the Meeting of Catholic or 1 Peter 5 or Restoring the Faith, or any, or any of like any, anything along those lines. And you can add in Patrick Coffin, Taylor Marshall, and also, I mean, just a, a slew of others. If you're listening to this show and you don't listen to some of the others, then you might miss some of this. Some of this might be going over your head and I'm sorry, I'm, I talk to my audience like they've been following me forever. So I try to make sure to point people in the right direction just in case you, you haven't. Zelensky gets elected. Ukraine goes to war. And what does the Ukrainian parliament, parliament do? They legalize gay marriage. Which, by the way, was one of the things that Vladimir Putin was railing against back in January. That these people were degenerates. That these people were neo-Nazis. That these people were everything that Russia did not want to have right on their border. Why did he go into Ukraine? Specifically to extinguish that. 
Why did Ukraine sign on? Because they want to be part of NATO. Why do they want to be part of NATO? Because NATO puts them part of the European bloc, gets them access to the dollar, the International Monetary Fund, SWIFT, <clears throat> which is the financial system, the instant funds transfer for, uh, for uh, nations, gets them access to all of these other things. But it also attaches a very short leash to their necks that run back to the hands of the likes of Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and the Pope and the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset. So to be sure, Zelensky would have actually been better off signing on with BRICS for a couple of reasons. One, there would be, there would be no Russia without Kiev. Russia is the descendant of the Kievan Rus. You'll notice I don't say Kiev. It's Kiev. It has always been Kiev. It's Kiev even with the new spelling. In Cyrillic, mind you. They would have been better off if they'd have gone that way. Caleb, how can you say such a thing? You're just, you're just a stool pigeon, a mouthpiece for Putin. No, I'm really not. Not by a long shot. But if you look at the way the West is going, if you look at, at France, if you look at Holland, if you look at Germany, if you look at us, if you look at Canada, you look at Great Britain. Do you really the United the entire United Kingdom, Australia in addition, Australia, Ireland, England, Scotland, Spain, Portugal, Italy. Dear family, I challenge you to name one country in the West that's going in the right direction. Just one. I challenge you to name one. I'll wait. You can email your answer to Caleb at RadioFreeCatholic.com. If you can name one country in the West that is actually fully going in the right direction, and I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are like, well, what about Poland? What about Hungary? Fully going in the right direction. Fully going in the right direction. They're trying, but Hungary is being abused by who? By Europe. Poland's being abused by who? by Europe. Poland is fighting desperately to retain its Catholic identity in the, directly in the onslaught of the LGBT community. Now to be sure, again, I remind you that the LGBT community, I am separating the LGBT from same-sex same attracted people. Because I'm going to ask you right now, I want you to put I, I want you to put your thinking caps on. I want you to separate yourself from who you are. And I want you to ask yourself if I were a man who from my youth was forever attracted to other men. What would I like that's currently going on with the transgender agenda? Because remember, trans men are men. 
according to the LGBT community. But trans men are not men. Trans men are specifically missing main physical structures that attract men who are attracted to men. Put yourselves in the position of a lesbian. Trans women are women too, right? Except that trans women, most of the time, have extra parts that lesbian women do not want to have anything to do with. So what, as a lesbian, would I be interested in with the, L with the current LGBT community? Dear family, that's actually part of the reason why they're trying to turn themselves into men. Why there are now fewer lesbians that per capita than there used to be, and there are now more trans men. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It is severely disruptive. Simultaneously, let's go to the ones who are bisexually oriented, the ones who are attracted to both. Dear family, if you took a poll among bisexuals, you would find that when they were looking for men, they don't want trans men. And if they're looking for women, they don't want trans women. So the current LGBT community now discriminates against L, G, and B. 
They still get to keep the flag. Apparently they got that in the divorce. But since they clearly got that in the divorce, you notice that the new flag looks a little different than it used to. And that's why I separate same-sex attracted people from the LGBT community. And I'm mentioning that in particular because somebody on Twitter would actually had a fantastic thread talking about how we should not confirm same-sex attracted people as, being, as having a sexual identity that is somehow real as an identity. And I do agree wholeheartedly. If you're a man who's attracted, to, who's sexually attracted to other men, you're not gay. Gay is an identity, it's a falsehood. You're a child of God. You're a child of God who has undergone a level of torture that the average human being cannot fathom. From childhood all the way up through maturity. Torture and torment that cannot be fathomed because most people who are not same-sex attracted have no idea the diabolical influence that was involved specifically in your life as a same-sex attracted person. Same-sex attracted people are the most tormented by demons through their formative years. All the way through all the way through pre-adolescence and then into adolescence and on into adulthood. The average person cannot comprehend the level of diabolic influence, oppression and obsession in that person's life. You just can't. And I can't and I'm not it's not one of those hey, you know, if you really want to understand, you should you should subject yourself and your children to that. No, absolutely not. You cannot comprehend the level of torment and torture. And when I say level, it's not to say that everybody goes through torment and torture through the course of their lives. But this is on a whole nother wavelength. This is a whole other frequency. It's a whole other phase of existence. It is incomprehensible for most people. And I can largely lay it at the feet of Freemasons. <clears throat> Same-sex attracted people are children of God. And they have to recognize that. They have to recognize the truth. They have to recognize that God did not intend it was not his will for them to be tormented the way they were. It was permitted because of free choice. Maybe not necessarily for the child in question, but it was certainly for the parents and the grandparents, the ones who laid the, the groundwork to ensure that the gate was that wide open for the devil to just come waltzing right through. And do be sure, if it wasn't a waltz, it was definitely a tango because it was a dance and it was an easy entry to make. Now the LGBT community is a Western export. It's absolutely a Western export. It wasn't always, but it most certainly is today. 
And it's not just a Western export. It is an export that has its anchoring specifically in the United States of America. They were able to make inroads in other countries, to be sure, a little bit ahead of the United States of America, but it was absolutely the United States of America because we were the ones who took in the Frankfurt School and we were the ones who re-exported it after we had given them the introduction to people like Bernard... Uh, uh, <clears throat> oh, gracious. Bacon and eggs. Bernard Hayes. I think it's Hayes. Cousin of Sigmund Freud. He was an ad man in the 1920s. He wrote the book on propaganda. We took the Frankfurt School, we wrapped it in a propagandistic bow, and then we sent it right back out to who? Back to Germany, and then to Russia. And we've been doing it for a very long time ever since. <clears throat> what does Russia do when it puts out its army recruiting videos? It's big, strong men doing hard things, jumping out of airplanes, crawling under barbed wire, climbing walls, being strong. Very toxically masculine. What does the Chinese army put out for its propaganda videos in order to bring in recruits? Training in the snow, climbing mountains, jumping out of planes, taking beachheads, being men. They're not looking for girly men. China recently outlawed girly men. They outlawed boy bands. They outlawed boys who look too pretty. You're not allowed to be a boy in China looking too pretty. Or I should say, you're not allowed to be a famous pretty boy in China anymore. Because pretty boys very often have a tendency to be a little bit girlish. There will not be a, 20, a, a, a Justin Bieber in China for 2030. They've outlawed it. You want to be a guy in China, you're going to be a man. Because we're not taking in any of that LGBTQ Western crap. Then you add in the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, the petrodollar, and everybody that we've managed to obliterate. And oh, hey, by the way, don't think that Russia and China and India and Brazil and South Africa are not looking at Sri Lanka and going, well, they adopted the World Economic Forum's model and they're all in a hucklebuck. We're looking at them going, well, man, the Great Reset seems like a bad idea. Well, no kidding, it seems like a bad idea. Putin took one look at that, saw how that was going for them, and said, uh, you're not doing that here. We'll come up with our own. China said, we're not doing that here. We were never going to do that here. We're just, you know, stringing you along, telling you we're going to do that. So this way you'll continue to give us your money, and your oil, and your chips, and your manufacturing industry, and your medicine, and everything. And now... They actually have everything. So what does that mean for us? Because surely you have to understand that that puts us in a kind of a race against time if you've been paying attention to the few of the other recent podcasts. 
because you might remember in my recent podcast, in one of my recent podcasts, I was talking about how China's economy is about to collapse. And it is about to collapse. Their housing market is in shambles. If you haven't looked yet, I would direct you over to The Blaze and Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck ju just did his radio special. You can find it on YouTube for free, or you probably might want to actually... I mean, they've got some really good programming. Um, so you may want to actually consider subscribing. I don't, because there's only so many subscription services I'm willing to get into, and there's some that I truly support, like Restoring the Faith Media, and there are some that I'm like, meh. And there's some that are just not that high priority for me. The Blaze falls into one of those that's, you know, it's important, but it's not that quite high, quite that high of a priority. I would much rather support Catholic outlets. The, <clears throat> But in the most recent episode, he actually talks about how the Chinese housing market was structured and why it's turning into a disaster very quickly. And in that, <clears throat> okay, so you know how you see a in America, you see a house, you go to the bank, you get pre-approved for a loan, you do the thing, you get all the paperwork, this, that, and the other. You go to the house, you offer the offer letter, you make the offer, and if you get and and assuming the you know the market hasn't completely blown up, you know if you get the offer, then you then you make the deal and you spend 30 days working out the details and inspection, blah blah blah, this, that, and the other, and then you but at that time is when you get the loan. In China, you get the loan first. You have to put down a massive deposit, and then and then you go and you buy the house. But there's no house. You purchase the property and a design, and you give them the money, and then they build the house for you. And so it might be two, three, four, maybe five years before they're finished building the house. Well, what's been happening lately is they haven't been able to pay the money to buy to build the house. Like the companies who were supposed to build the house haven't been able to get the money moving enough because they're not solvent enough to actually pay the people to build the house. So the houses are no longer getting built. But meanwhile, you take out the loan, you buy the house. Now it's been five years, you still don't have a house. You're not gonna have a house anytime soon. They don't have the money to build the house, but you're still making payments on the loan. You have been since you took out the loan at the beginning of the whole ordeal five years ago. Well, if there's no house, why am I gonna pay the money? So you don't pay the money. Well, that puts a bigger pinch on those companies. They now can build fewer houses, etc., and it snowballs. Oh, hey, by the way, now the banks are running out of money because now people are defaulting on the loans. But the money that they got for the loans in the first place, the loan agencies, like the small bank that you get that you get your loan from, is funded by one of the three big loan agencies that's owned by the Chinese Communist Party that gets their money from the big banks that are all like the Chinese Central Bank, like the Federal Reserve, and they're the ones who print the money. And so nobody's getting the money back. They're not the money's not going out, the money's not coming back. It's there nothing's getting built, nothing's happening, and the whole system is collapsing. And it's collapsing at such a rate that people are now looking at the Chinese Communist Party going, wait a minute, if I'm not getting my house, and oh hey, by the way, oh wait, let me back up because there was one more thing that happened before then. 
Well, now this money is not coming back, so the money is not coming back enough to where they can put it back out. The banks no longer have the money to keep in your savings account because like American banks, they do fractional lending. They don't actually have the money to give you, so when you come in to get the money because you just got paid and you want to get some cash so you go buy groceries, they don't have the money. So they storm the banks. The Chinese Communist Party says we can't have that. Deploy the tanks. People look and go, wait a minute. If they don't have the money, that means if my bank doesn't have the money, that means the people who fund my bank don't have the money. And the people who fund my bank get the money from the people who print the money, which is the Chinese Communist Party, which means the Chinese Communist Party doesn't have any money. Ein Minuten bitte. Maybe the Chinese Communist Party isn't quite so hot. Maybe I've been spinning my wheels and maybe these people aren't the people. Well, we can't have that. We can't have them lose faith and credit in the government. And so it's causing problems for Xi, for Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party. Well, they gotta do something. And look who came to the rescue. Nancy Pelosi. Who flies to Taiwan. Well, if she's allowed to go there with the CCP saying nothing, CCP looks weak. Weak. So what does the CCP do? If we have to, we'll shoot you out of the sky. They don't know necessarily if they can afford to shoot her out of the sky. Because that might be the kind of sort of thing that causes the United States to say launch the nukes. And they're not quite ready for the war just yet, but they now know they want to be because Nancy Pelosi just waved her old flabby ass right in their face and they did nothing. A few months ago, in a validation of the whole BRICS summit, The corpse in chief waves his old crusty behind in front of Russia and says, Russia, you're not getting any more money. And billions and billions of dollars just go gone. They don't like the West. They don't like the United States in particular. The United States has, for the last 100 years, not just been the biggest stick on the block, but we've been waving around that stick like a giant golden dildo, being absolutely obnoxious on every level. And if you disagree, we cut you off financially. And if we decide that maybe cutting you off financially isn't quite right, then we'll have you assassinated vis-a-vis -vis Muammar Gaddafi. And if that's not enough, then we'll go into your country and we'll depose you vis-a-vis -vis Saddam Hussein. And if that's not enough, we'll get airstrikes vis-a-vis -vis Syria. Or we'll get Israel to do something vis-a-vis -vis Hezbollah and Lebanon. And if we really don't like you, we'll encroach on your borders vis-a-vis -vis Ukraine and Sweden and Finland and Norway. I mean, we already did Estonia and, Lith and Lithuania. 
And it's actually gotten so bad that Erdogan's like, you know, maybe Erdogan over in Turkey has decided, you know, we're going to back out and we're going to start, you know, cozying up to, to BRICS. And Turkey is now looking to become a BRICS country. That's why they're calling it BRICS Plus. But if they're a BRICS country, that means it might break away from NATO. They're not really part of the European Union. Brazil's part of it. They do trade with Ecuador and Venezuela, Colombia. They do trade with Peru, Uruguay, Paraguay, Argentina, Chile. Guatemala. Panama, Honduras. Mexico gets in on it, and they're not that far from it. Mexico gets in on it, and they decide to unpeg from the dollar. What are we going to do? We'll have a hostile agency right on our southern border. Oh, wait, we already have a hostile agency right on our southern border, but now we'll have a political reason to go to war over it. Do you see how this whole thing starts to fall apart? Do you see why it's important? See, they call themselves the axis of good. And Beck called them the axis of evil. But I just call them the other axle. See, for the longest time, the United States was the big wheel on the tricycle. We're doing everything that we can to hamstring ourselves. We're pretty much breaking up our whole country. And we're breaking it up culturally. We're breaking it up politically. We're breaking it up financially. Why? Because they really are interested in the Great Reset. Because they really do believe that in order to achieve the goal that they're looking for, which is the devil's goal, a wholesale slaughter of humankind, not necessarily with war, but if they have to bring war, they will. See, if we descend into civil war, at our current population, if you, if you adjust the casualty rate of the, of the first civil war, um, with the, pop, with the new population rate, then we might lose some six million people in a civil war. And to be sure, six million people lost in a civil war is bad. But now we're coming up to our last point. We are so mind-numbingly bigger than Sri Lanka. If they're allowed to do what they're trying to do, what they've already put into place, that I've already talked about, by 2030, we will lose somewhere to the tune of 10 million to starvation. And that is a conservative estimate. Because if we adjust per capita what they're trying to do, it's closer to 25 million through starvation, civil unrest, crime, drug overdose. If we adjust our population if we, if we adjust for the difference in population, the United States of America may well lose almost 25% on the high side of the estimate. 25% of 3 
hundred million. Do I think it's going to be 75 million by 2030? No. I think 10 million to 15 million is more reasonable. But if we don't write the ship at any, at any point up to 2030, we will lose 75 million easily by 2040. Now, ask yourself the question. If we could lose 10 million people in the next seven years to starvation, is it not better to fight a civil war and lose 6 million? Set the country right. Or is it better to sit on our hands and do nothing? Is it better for us to just let them do their thing, let them fail the way we... And mind you, here's the thing. As a Catholic, you know as well as I do that both of these are viable options. Because it's about the salvation of the soul, not necessarily the salvation of the body. Both of these are viable options. You can be saved, become a saint, and do nothing about this in particular and simply focus on the holiness of you and your family. Or we could actually fight this war, lose the six million people that we're going to lose, and right the ship. Because if we lose six million and right the ship, then the children of those who make it through will be able to prosper. If we sit along and do nothing, eventually we will prosper. Our Lady's Immaculate Heart will triumph. The heart, the Sacred Heart of Christ the King will triumph. Christ wins in the end, no matter what. But from a natural, temporal perspective, would it not be better to fight the war and risk losing the six million versus not fighting the war and letting them slaughter through starvation 10, 15, 20, 25, maybe up to 75 million people? These people are going to do to the electrical grid, to the energy, to the, to the, our energy supply system, exactly what a nuclear warhead would do if it manages to knock out, if they were to detonate one in, in the upper atmosphere and knock out the entire electrical grid. That's what their intention is. They're going to do to the grid. It's going to be slower. It's going to take longer. But to put that back in perspective for you, if the if the nationwide electrical grid were to be knocked out the way it could be in a in a in a in a electromagnetic pulse within the first year we would lose 150 million to starvation if they eventually want to shut down the grid which they very clearly do because windmills are not going to cut it Solar power is not going to cut it. Getting, getting the solar panels from China after we've been waving our old, crusty, wrinkly asses in their face for the last 10 years is probably not going to cut it. 
We're probably not going to get him in the first place, let alone, oh, we'll build him here. Yeah, that's gone great. How's Solyndra doing as a company? Oh, that's right, they're dead. They're gone. They evaporated after the government dumped billions. I know this is a lot to take on. I know I'm talking about a very wide scope. But let me narrow this back down. The stakes are extreme. We cannot comprehend the stakes. Our lady said whole nations will be annihilated, and we cannot be so arrogant as to think that the United States of America would not be one of those conglomerations, 50 of those nations annihilated. So the question I pose to you, yeah, if we were to fight a civil war today, we might lose 6 million people adjusted for population. We could do nothing and lose 100 million. Russia and China will not care either way. What they will care about is that the poison that is the United States of America will come to an end. That'll be it. As far as they're concerned, they don't care about anything else. The poison that is the United States of America will end. China will achieve their global dominance that they've been looking for. They might even actually be able to avoid the revolution that's going to overtake their own country if they could manage to do it in time. They go out, they take Taiwan, they get a boost to their economy, and they might actually have enough money to build all those houses they said they were going to build. I don't think so. They're communists. I mean, that never works out. But they can make it look like that, and they can actually probably run the world for about two decades. But what does the world look like under two decades of Chinese communist rule? Where do you think the Vatican is going to fall in on that? The thing that actually caught my attention about so many Catholic prophecies, think about this, Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of La, of La Salette, Our Lady of Buen Suceso de la Purificación in Quito, Ecuador, Our Lady of Quibejo, Our Lady of Akita. Look at all of those prophecies and ask yourself, Where is America in those prophecies? Ask yourself that question. Where is America in those prophecies? I'll cut it short. There is no mention of an empire of the West. Not at Akita, Fatima, La Salette, not Marie Julie not Quito, not Cabejo, not Our Lady of Nock or Our Lady of Hid. If you look at all of the Catholic prophecies, all of the all of the Marian apparitions, all of them around the world, 
where is America? Where is the United States? And then ask yourself again, what does that mean for the United States? Are we the whole nations that are annihilated? Is there a reason why Russia is mentioned, but not America? And Russia's mentioned in most of them, but not America. Find for me the United States of America in Catholic prophecy. I tell you, I only know of one. And that's the thing that should concern you if you are a Catholic in the United States of America today. That is the thing that should concern you. For all of our egocentrism, for the Left Behind series and all those, and all of those Protestant works about you know the end of the world and the apocalypse, the Protestants will say, well, you know, they didn't have America, and so it wasn't written in there. Obviously, is it really that obvious? Is it so obvious that God would mention whole swaths of the world, Gog and Magog and other, and other places around the world, but he never once thought to mention the nation that for a century was the dominant force on earth? Ask yourself, How is it that the nation that molded the entire world over the last century, if these are truly the end times, did God just overlook it? Did God just overlook the land across the sea to the west? Do you think that the Most High God missed the country that would dominate the earth that turned all of Europe into vassal states? Oh, you think that's, that, is that hyper, hyperbolic? Let's run down the list. Who doesn't make a move without the United States? Up until this last, up until Brandon, the corpse in chief right now, who makes a move without the United States? Not Russia, not China, not India. Not France, not Germany, not Portugal, Spain, Great Britain, not Poland, Hungary, Latvia, Estonia, not Greece, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, not Libya, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, not Japan, not Australia, not Papua New Guinea, not the Cote d'Ivoire, not Madagascar, not South Africa, not Egypt, Morocco, Sudan, not Brazil, not Argentina, Chile, Ecuador, Paraguay, Uruguay. Not Venezuela, not Cuba. Not Haiti or the Dominican Republic. Not Canada. No one in the last century sneezed 
without wondering what the United States was going to do about it. And yet, there is no mention of a power in the West in all of Catholic prophecy. Ask yourself why. And then ask yourself if maybe this is important enough that maybe, just maybe, we ought to risk the war to stop this. Because that was the elephant in the room. That was the 800-pound gorilla in the room that over the last several years, whether it was Church Militant or Taylor Marshall, whether it was LifeSite News or EWTN, whether it was Bishop Fulton Sheen or Marcel Lefebvre, it was the one thing that was never mentioned that the most powerful nation on earth from 1918 up until today, for the last 100 years, the dominant force on Earth is not mentioned at all. And the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful, most high God, God made man, the Word made flesh, truth incarnate. Never thought to mention it. Never thought in the last 500 years of Marian apparitions that maybe he should send his mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mary most immaculate, Mary most pure, Virgin most powerful, Queen of the Holy Rosary. Never once does she mention us. How? I would argue that the reason she doesn't mention us, the reason America, the Eagle, Lady Liberty, or any of the icon, you could pick any of the iconography that gets alluded to for every other nation. The lion, the bear, the dragon. Oh, they got mentioned. No eagle? Like, legit, seriously, no eagle. There's only one Marian apparition. And it has the Nihil Obstat. No Vatican approval. Like no, like no church approval. One apparition. Or one seer, I should say. And the thing that actually will terrify you is that if you go to OurLadyOfAmerica.com, they have the whole story. You can read the book. I'm going to do a series on it again. I have did it in the past. I'm going to do it again. Just as kind of a reminder. 
Because Our Lady, when she appeared to Sister Mary Mildred, Mildred Mary, when she appeared, she said, Our conditional was in order to be torchbearers of the Queen, we had to be pure. Purity. And when you read the documents, you get the intent, you get the understanding that it's not just purity of intent, but it's actually purity as related to chastity. And when you look at what was going on in the United States during the time period, it's very easy to understand why purity would be a big deal. When you look at what was going on in the church, you can understand why purity would be a good deal. Because at the time period of this, it was the beginnings, the early rumblings of what would eventually become the sexual revolution that would completely upend the world and bring us the LGBT banner as it is today. And it could be that the reason why America is not mentioned is because we failed. We failed, and our nation will not be the torchbearers of the queen. Our nation failed at its charge of bringing about world peace. You cannot look around over the last 50 years, 70 years, and tell me that we were so awesome at world peace. We were at peace in the United States, but the world most certainly was not. And who had the responsibility of bringing about world peace? Oh, that's right. The country that was the hegemonic power on earth for the last 100 years. If you can find where I am mistaken, and believe me, actually, in this case, I desperately want you to. If you can find where I'm mistaken, I want you to email me, Caleb at RadioFreeCatholic.com. You can go to the website, RadioFreeCatholic.com, and hit contact, fill out the little form thing, and send me the message with the links. You can DM me on Twitter, at Mighty Colibri, M-I-G-H-T-Y-C-O-L-I-B-R-I. You can find me on SP3RN at Caleb the Mechanic. If you can find where I'm mistaken about the United States of America's presence in Catholic prophecy, I want you to contact me immediately and show me. Bring me the receipts. This is not a joke. This is not a troll. Because I would contend the world may go on, but it looks to these eyes like it's about to go on without us. Prove me wrong. I beg you, prove me wrong. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.